Hey, City Rev family, welcome to the City Rev Live podcast. If you found yourself here, we want to say welcome. Each week on this podcast, we feature content and conversations that help strengthen your relationship with God and others and equip you to make a difference right where you are. For this summer, we're doing a bit of a throwback series in which we're featuring conversations from previous podcast episodes. Now, we've condensed them a bit to give you just the very best from each of these episodes. We hope this conversation you're going to hear today encourages you in your personal growth and your unique faith journey. And hey, if this conversation is something you enjoy, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Send us a DM on our social media platforms. We'd love your feedback and to hear how this has helped shape this season for you. Enjoy this episode and we'll talk soon, fam. The episode today we're talking about is isolation, in fact. And so in this season with the pandemic, we are uh, needing to keep social distancing from each other. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But the reason we're, we're specifically talking about this is we're talking about the, situ- this, the situation of isolation and how that can be very damaging. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I'm especially excited for uh, Rebecca to share what's been on her heart, what we've been dialoguing about, mm-hmm. because um, this is actually Rebecca's wheelhouse. So while I was in Louisville, while we were just newly married, I'm in Louisville getting um, my master's at seminary. Rebecca was getting her MSW, her master's in social work in Louisville, which I think now that we've been in ministry for a little while, I think the master's you got has been even more helpful for ministry than the master's I got. But um, she has since, uh, she is a counselor, she has, she's a licensed clinical social worker and she's a therapist and counselor by trade. And so her thoughts as she's been sharing with me about the role of isolation, how things like guilt and shame just grow in, a, in, in isolation and how to deal with that, especially in a season like this with social distancing, is so important. So let's get right after it. Let's talk a little bit about um, isolation. So where do you want to take us first on the subject? Well, I think, you know, something that we were talking about, and it's just so important to note, is just that we weren't designed to live life isolated, right? Yes. Um, and you were sharing, you want to share about what just Genesis 2 says. Yeah, absolutely. So right off the bat in Genesis 1, God, he says he's making all of creation. He says, it's good, it's good, it's good. He makes Adam and he says, everything is, is very good. And then he says, it's not good that Adam's alone. Mm-hmm. And so being alone and isolated is not God's plan. That's yeah. not healthy. And that's not how we're designed to thrive. Right. And it's not a reflection of even God and his character of the Trinity. He yeah. in and of himself has fellowship. And so, you know, I think all in our lives, we're trying to say, hey, get connected, um, you know, find social groups, find your interests, find your hobbies. And now we're being told the complete opposite. Isolate, quarantine, don't talk to anyone, social distance. And that's so against the nature, especially as a therapist, my red flags just go off automatically because that is so not good to feel isolated and to be isolated. So, um, <clears throat> And one of the things we were talking about along those lines is you know, we we uh, we need to do the physical distancing yes. in order to for help. Yeah, for safety. Yeah. Like we need to abide by all those things. Yeah. We need to do all the things that we're being asked to do. Correct. But uh, some of the conversations that we're having is how do you have physical distancing, but not necessarily in, in all the ways we're being asked to do by right. the government, but not all the way, not have the social distancing. How can we be physically distant, but still find ways to stay socially connected? Right, and so we're gonna talk about that. I think that the importance of staying connected in a season where we're being quarantined and and feeling so isolated. But first, I kinda just wanna at least just lay the groundwork about 
Um, as a therapist, a lot of times, if you've ever been in therapy or if you've ever heard someone talk about therapy, they'll probably say something to the effect of, I just talk about my feelings all the time. What does feelings have to do with anything to do with my current problem? Um, your relationship problem, your work problem, or um, you know, a life discourse problem, whatever it may be. And so I think it's important to pause for a second and just talk about the role of feelings and emotions and how that plays into something like this. Um, you know, God's given us feelings and emotions and some of them are pleasant and we love them and we enjoy them and they're safe to talk about. We're happy, we're doing great, we're excited. And then some feelings are not as easy or pleasant to talk about. I'm feeling uh, grief, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling um, guilt. You know, those are the typical Sunday school answers that we don't give people on a Sunday morning because they're uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with them. At the same time, though, God's given those emotions for us to help us learn how to cope, tell us what our body needs. So, for example, when we're hungry, what do we do? We we use that emotion to tell us to do what? We, we eat. Yeah. Do yeah. I get We've that got right? that one. Okay. We've got that one down in our house. <laughs> She looked at me because apparently I do that a lot. Okay, I'm hungry all the time. It was a so pop I guess quiz. that was my, he that's passed. the one subject I ace. The other feelings, I'm a mess. Okay, yeah. continue. Um, when we're tired, what do we do? We sleep. We let our emotions guide our behavior sometimes. And that's an important cue for us to learn our bodies, pay attention to our bodies. Where do we feel certain emotions in our bodies? And that cues us sometimes to tell us what, what it is that we need to do, right? Yeah, and so I, I think a lot of times as uh, Christians, um, we end up in one of two extremes when it comes to our emotions. On one hand, we deny that they're there mm -hmm. and, you know, no, no, I'm not sad or no, I'm not angry or yeah. no, I, I, I love this one. No, I don't care what people think of me, yeah. which I'd only tell you that if I cared that you thought that about me. And so we, we kind of deny that our feelings exist, that's one pole. Mm -hmm. And that's not healthy because like you said, God gave us our feelings to trigger us for a particular need. The other extreme that I think happens is that we are ruled by our emotions right. and the scripture speaks so much about that. So mm -hmm. we've got to address our emotions and still lead through them. Right, so, so I think it's important to have a great context for our emotions and feelings and see them as a tool um, rather than something that we're a slave to or something that we feel like we're immune to. Because the reality is, is no one's immune to their emotions. Um, we may be immune to the effects that they're having on us, but we can't completely devoid ourselves of our emotions. And so um, just a couple uh, emotions that we end up talking about, especially when talking about isolation, is the role of guilt and shame. And those aren't necessarily pleasant conversations that we talk about a lot, but I think it's important to see this as a tool because... A lot of times I feel like with our faith and when we talk and we journey about our role with um, the Lord and our walk with him is oftentimes the enemy likes to use our emotions almost as like puppet strings on our hearts. And he pulls ones that are unpleasant to get us to do things that we might not otherwise do. And so when you're lonely, you might do things and reach out in ways maybe on social media or on websites that you might not otherwise have done because of the extreme loneliness. When you feel grief, you may try to cope in a way that's maybe unhealthy. Um, and so, you know, you may go to different vices like alcohol or different things. And it's because the enemy is just cranking that particular heartstring on us and really digging in and maybe grief or guilt or shame. And so um, one of the ones that as a therapist that that rings true to me when I hear about isolation and quarantine is the role of guilt and shame. And so let me define this, the two differences between those because they're very closely related. Um, but guilt is 
something that you've done. Shame is something that you are. And those are two distinct things but can happen within the same context. So for example, a common narrative right now in our home is uh, Roby will come home or he'll come home and and I'll, I'll be in the midst with the kids. I'll have uh, homeschool under my belt, which I'm now a homeschool parent. That's a brand new thing for me. And I've been home all day. I lost my patience with the kids. I've been frustrated. Uh, I've been annoyed. I've sent the kids to their rooms. <laughs> it's just the list goes on. The evidence to support that I quote unquote feel like a bad parent in, in other continues words, to grow. I'm walking into a battlefield. It's just, <laughs> it, there could be mayhem. And heaven forbid it's the opposite. <laughs> and I was watching the kid. Then it's like, there's actual dead bodies. So anyway, continue. So the Lord knew, I guess. But uh, it's it's been a good journey for me to take inventory myself of, wow, you know what? I did lose my patience or I did um, need, need to send some timeouts or discipline measures that maybe were a little more extreme or I did, um, you know, just get frustrated. And so while those things may be true and that is um, evidence to support, yes, I'm guilty of those things, shame would then say, I am a bad parent. And shame speaks to identity. And so while you can have guilt and you can admit the truth of some things, shame would speak to something else and it would save who you are. And that's just not the case uh, because of our identity in Christ. So guilt is something I've done. Shame is when it takes it to the next level uh, and becomes part of my identity. So right. it's one thing to... It's one thing to say, I lied. It's another thing mm -hmm. to internalize and say, I am a liar. So those are two different things. Correct. One thing is, uh, I today I uh, wish that my parenting had been different. It's another thing to internalize it and say, I am a bad parent Correct. or spouse or whatever, right. whatever the thing might be. Right. Okay. So shame really, I think, puts our identity on trial. And so I think about it in terms of this. We walk into a courtroom every day usually when we leave our home, but even if you don't leave your home, you walk into a courtroom and the evidence will support or not support um, that you're good enough. And so what are you trying to be good enough as? So you're trying to be good enough as a pastor, as a parent, as a teacher, as um, in your profession. Are you good enough? The, the, the trial and the, that's always on is that. And our actions every day will either support or um, support as evidence that that claim that we're not good enough, or hopefully support that we are good enough. And so we're constantly seeing our interactions with people or our thoughts or our activities to act as evidence to support in one direction or the other. So, um, you know, and we've got that prosecuting attorney that we know so well. Uh, his yes. name is Satan, who actually means uh, accuser um, or one of his other names, um, means to condemn, a condemner. And so he's constantly throwing um, accusations at us, especially in our minds, to support evidence that we're not good enough. And so our identity is on trial every day. And we're looking to hopefully see that the activities of what we've done well outweigh the accusations of the enemy. Yeah, I think that's so important to understand the difference between conviction, guilt, and shame. Uh, and so often, we think feelings of down in the dumps, I'm guilty, I'm a wretch. You know, I think about even Amazing Grace, one of the greatest hymns is, you know, who saved a wretch like me. And um, I, I think that those things, it is as far as our salvation is concerned, we have to understand that when we, when we have sinned and we need to confess those sins to the Lord. But what that should take us to is, which should start with a grief for our sin, Lord, I... I 
you know what? I did not serve my wife. I didn't serve mm-hmm. my family the way I wanted to. I didn't, I didn't lead uh, at work with the compassion that I wanted to. So it's one thing that we would to acknowledge that and confess it to the Lord. But what that should turn into is a praise and a thankfulness that that is not who I am right. and a praise and a thankfulness to God that uh, he has taken away yeah. that sin and I'm a new creation and I, right. all that sin has been separated me as far as the East is from the West. When that, ha- when we don't get yeah. to the gospel and then understand our new identity, then that becomes the work of the enemy. That's guilt and shame, which Jesus has taken away. Right, amen. And so it's great. And, and there's even a worship song that I love to go back to uh, from Shane and Shane called Embracing Accusations oh, because yeah. it says, yes, but God. And those things may be true about what we've done um, or our sin, but it doesn't define who we are. And so there's a couple different ways we can attack uh, that particular thing. There's importance to know that research has been done. Um, there's a great researcher. She's also a social worker. Her name is Brene Brown. I've read some of her books, and um, she does a lot of research on the role of shame and how it through evidence-based practices, we can learn kind of what we already know through scripture. But it's great to document the activities of our human behavior to kind of look, how does this play out? One thing that we know is the enemy is crafty, but he's not creative. And so while we measure these things, while we measure human activities, we're seeing how he sneaks in there and the way it manifests in our behavior so commonly and every day. And so, um, you know, research would show that if you take shame and you were to put it in a Petri dish, and if you were to add judgment and isolation, insecurity, it will just grow exponentially. But if you take shame, put it in a Petri dish, and you add empathy and you add light, it loses all of its power. And so something that we know through scripture is so true, we're finding an evidence-based practice to confirm what we already know. And it's awesome to see how we can apply then those truths. Because out of that research, we, we know what scripture says, and we're gonna talk about that too, but to even just give voice to what research is saying, there's things that can be done when you're feeling isolated and when you're feeling that shame creep in, which is so empowering that you don't have to be a victim to, okay, there's shame and guilt, but what do I do with it? Um, there's there's actually things that we can do. So. I love that. Anytime the world stumbles across and proves right. what the scripture has said, I think that's so powerful. The scripture talks about we need one another in each other's in our lives. Yeah. We speak truth in love. We show grace to one another. We confess our sins to one another. And so often, you know, Rebecca, you were alluding to this earlier. So often we think what we're supposed to do at church is to walk in or at small group. I mean, at church, we're, you know, maybe passing each other by when we're actually meeting in person. But at small group, we're supposed to keep up this front like I've got it all together. Well, that actually denies the gospel. The gospel is that we are broken and made into a new creation by Jesus. And so, and it actually does not release the power of taking, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in this area of character. I'm struggling with this area of addiction and bringing that into the light. Right. The enemy wants to use self-righteousness and this idea of I gotta keep this front up that I'm right. just got it all together. He wants to, us to keep it in the dark where it festers, but when we bring it into light, when we're transparent, when we're authentic, when we right. are sharing what we're going through, then that person can give us grace, remind us the gospel. Right. We can see we can see that our worst fears was, oh, they're gonna hate me, they're gonna look down on me. And actually what we see through their eyes and through their words 
wow, they still love me. They still accept me. Right. They're telling me the gospel and those things yep. are extinguishing right. the power the, of shame. The power of shame. And the enemy just loves to use that tool and he uses it a lot because it brings out the same result every time. If he can isolate you and just pour on that shame, then he can lock you in and paralyze you. And as Christians, we have so much to share and he's threatened by that. And so he's using one of his age time old tools and shame and paralyzing us. And so we can take heart because there's research out there in scripture that we can find encouragement from. Some of the research says um, there's four things you can do. You can recognize shame and its triggers. What is the physiological response? Where do you feel that in your body? I know that feels like a weird question, but that is something therapeutically that you can ask yourself, especially if you haven't yet brought it to a place of bringing it to someone, take inventory of yourself. Where do you feel it? What, is it, what does it feel like? When, when does it manifest? Um, what are its triggers? Is it a conversation? Is it with a person? You know, What are the things that trigger shame the most? Um, is taking inventory of that. Another one is getting a balcony level view. When we're in it, we often can't see when we're in the midst of something, it's it's too hard. And so we get a balcony level view and we see the circumstances from a different perspective. Um, then we can feel like, wow, I'm not the only one that goes through this. I'm not the only one who's grieving right now or feeling alone. Is it okay to feel alone as a Christian? You know, we can even have biblical guilt uh, if we feel, you know, a sadness or a fear, some of our typical emotions. And so when you get a balcony level view of the circumstance, sometimes it brings to light that you're not alone in those emotions. And that also brings, um, it quenches shame with that. A third thing you can do is reach out. When you reach out, when you hear other people's stories, when you share your story, there's so much power with that. Um, it takes a lot of initiative though, because a lot of times we're looking around or waiting for people to reach out to us. And sometimes that does happen, especially if there's friends that know you well enough and say, you're not really acting like yourself, what's going on? But a lot of times, especially in seasons where we're limited, we have to be kind of the, the leading the charge in our own, um, you know, on our own initiatives of, of reaching out and, and not being isolated and combating shame. And so um, get on those Zoom calls, get on those FaceTime chats, you know, be a part of, um, you know, online Bible studies, things that you can do to really reach out to community. Uh, the last thing you can do is be transparent. Shame just festers and grows in hiding and be a transparent, share your, your story, your testimony, give voice to what you're feeling, and that will also lessen the power and the grip that it has on your heart. I know that that moment of being transparent, it's like a blistering hot day and jumping into a cold pool. Mm. You know the first time you say it out loud, it's gonna be painful, but after that initial yeah. shock to the system, there's this overwhelming relief. Yes. And there's an overwhelming freedom that's on the other side of being transparent with a trustworthy, godly person. Um, as we wrap up here, speak to uh, one of our favorite pastors, yes. Tim Keller, speaks to this issue, yes. has some great things to say. Why don't you just tell us about that? So, you know, he has a, so many resources and he's so great about. Um, just speaking to this issue and shame. You know, we talked about earlier, we walk into the courtroom every day. When our feet hit that floor, we're looking for the evidence to support or deny that we're good enough. And and he does a great job of just saying, you know what? Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, the verdict is already in. 
We can walk out of that courtroom every day. Don't put yourself back on trial. The verdict is in on who you are. And he traded places with us. And so he took our shame so that we could have the freedom in Christ. When we walk back into the courtroom, we're denying an essential part of the gospel that he's freed us from. And so, you know, some of the things that we go to or I go to to remind us of that is, you know, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. God traded places with us through Jesus on the cross. Um, he became the condemnation so that we wouldn't face condemnation as Christians anymore. Um, we don't have that. And so walk out of the courtroom knowing that you don't have to be condemned by your activities anymore. While they may be true and we can give voice to that, that does not speak to who you are. And he, lastly, you know, he went to a ridiculous trial so that we didn't have to put ourselves on trial. And so we are challenged now Walk out of that courtroom. Don't put yourself back on trial. Dig into the truth. Lean on your Christian brothers and sisters. Find ways to break out of isolation. Have physical distance, yes, but don't social distance. Certainly do not spiritual distance because the enemy would love nothing more than to use that and to paralyze you as a Christian and releasing the power that we have through Jesus. That's so good. I love that idea. Jesus went on trial for having done nothing wrong and yet absorbed guilt. Yes. We have this courtroom every day. And so often the bottom line is we are guilty. Mm. And yet the shame has been taken away. The question when you're debating, am I guilty or am I shameful? I told a lie, am I a liar? Well, the question is really, well, how bad was the lie? That's not the question. The question is not about what you did as to determine whether or not you're a liar. The, problem, the, question, the reality is you're probably guilty. The reality is it's what Jesus did that makes you not a liar. It makes you a new creation, born again, a child of God. So um, run to the gospel. And in this season, take advantage of the opportunities that your church is providing. Go on the app. Get involved with the group. Get there. Our groups are doing Zoom calls right now. Get involved with the group. Take initiative. Do a FaceTime call. Um, uh, Call someone. Um, connect, don't be isolated, be physically distant to be to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. Be physically distant and follow all of those rules, but don't be socially distant. Leverage, t- uh, um, leverage technology and being digital to help you stay socially uh, socially connected. Any final words before we close? Just encourage you to do that and, and just be encouraged that we're, we're still here too. We're figuring it out. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the City Rev Life podcast. You can you can subscribe to the podcast, get every single new episode. Uh, remember to, to rate us, uh, leave us some feedback. We'd love to know about that. That helps get the word about the City Rev Life podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org slash podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.